Hello and welcome listeners to a very, very exciting episode of The Patents and Stuff. So thank you so much. If you are listening to this and it is July of 2022, August of 2022, before we've released this to the public, it means you're an exclusive content member and we want to thank you for giving us that $5 every month. Uh, we really appreciate it because we love giving you content like this. I am your host, and I'm joined by my co-host. I'm Bernadette Gorman-White. I'm joined by Mike Burge. This is episode three of The Patents and Stuff, and we're here to talk about some movies that are very dear to Mike Burge's heart. Mm. Ooh. I mean, this is this is spicy. I think they're fun. Okay. They're fun. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I wouldn't say they're cl- one of them is one of them. One of them's close. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm breaking it. down the barriers. It's the, interesting. The saga as a whole uh, is maybe not. Um, I don't have posters on my wall. Good, but you do have T-shirts. Maybe mm-hmm. one T-shirt. Yeah, I mean, just like total irony. Yes. Three T-shirts. Yeah, I have three, three T-shirts. Yep. So yeah, listeners, we are here to talk about. The Twilight Saga. Um, I got it. I got it set right here. Very yeah. nice. I love it. <laughs> so yeah, th- we're talking about that weird chunk in Robert Pattinson's life where he was like pretty much just turning out Twilight movies for the most part. I mean, he did some other movies while he was filming the Twilight series. And we'll cover those films in the next installment of the patents and stuff. But we decided it seemed silly to break up the Twilight movies um, and have you listening to us talk about like random movies plus a little bit of Twilight and then the next episode, more random movies and a little bit more Twilight. So we just decided to condense it down to its truest, purest form and talk about all the Twilight movies on this episode alone. So yeah, when Burge told me that he had been watching these listeners, he watched these, I think, a couple years ago? Like two years ago? Yeah. yeah. Pre-pandemic, right? No, I think it was in the Most? middle of the pandemic. Okay. It was like when we were doing the first year of the drive-in. Yes. So it was like summer of 2020. Yes. So yeah, I got the vibe that maybe you, you really like this movie. So it'll be interesting having this discussion because I kind of came into this thinking like, I think Burge is going to be championing these movies and i'm oh, gonna be God, like no no these never no they, these, these movies are absolute <laughs> garbage but there's um they are what they are and especially in the last one um there's just like no fucks given uh-uh. at all like they're like we are doing what we're doing and if you don't if you're not into it you can fuck off yeah because everybody else is here to party and like that breaking dawn part two <laughs> is just one of the wildest movies i've ever seen and it's like they all have it's just an interesting series, mainly because it's director driven. Like each movie, with the exception of part one and part two at the end, is directed by a different person who is wildly different than the last. Like yes. Chris Weitz is the guy who wrote and directed American Pie, and he's making New Moon. I don't know. Weird. They just did it. Bill Condon was a weirdo who had like been shunned from Hollywood after like being stupid with dream girls or something and he just hadn't made a movie in like seven years and they were like you want to make breaking dawn part one and two and he's like sure sure i'll take it the guy that made a uh, hard candy makes eclipse Catherine hardwick 
did the first one. It's weird. It's it's like a murderer's row of like very interesting directors and they're all making these weird little vampire movies. Yeah, yeah. I, obviously, Twilight came at a time, both the the films and the books, obviously, at a time where everyone was kind of clamoring for the next Harry Potter series. And so the Harry Potter films famously have a lot of different directors involved with them as well. Yep. But there still seems to be like a little bit of like connective tissue kind of like mm-hmm. holding those films together as a series. But yeah, as you said, not so in the Twilight no, Saga. I, and that's they they kind of course corrected too because like after they did Mike Newell in Goblet of Fire, David Yates came in to do Order of the Phoenix and now David Yates just did all of them and he did Every single he did like the latter half and stuff because at first it was like all right two Chris Columbuses an Alfonso Cuarón which will always be insane <laughs> that Alfonso Cuarón made a Harry Potter movie um, they like kind of course correct and they're like maybe we just need to have more of an in house someone with their hands on the wheel and David Yates seemed to have like a very very good relationship with the the cast and <clears throat> J.K. Rowling and um, was able to hold on to that whereas with this one i feel like they just shot the last two at the same time so just have bill condon do it right and he's a he's a, he's a weird little dude <laughs> yeah seemingly so um so yeah i'll give a quick little background on my history with these twilight things i mean i'm i'm here to hear what you've got to say about <laughs> these things so I'd, i think this will be fun that's great so yeah in college i attended college from 2007 to 2011 and uh definitely spent a lot of time procrastinating and kind of just like jumped at chances to be doing something that wasn't schoolwork and so i did read all of the books when i was in college and it was basically because i'm a i'm a person of my word that if i'm gonna say that i think something's stupid i want to be able to back it up I want to be able to say, like, I invested the time and uh-huh. I did the research um, and this is why I think it's bad. And so I also just needed, like, a fluffy distraction from schoolwork. And so I read them all. And then I've seen the first movie and I didn't see it in theaters or anything. I saw it after it came Prior out. to this. Prior to You'd this. You'd only ever seen the first one. Correct. Cool. So, yeah, then watching all of them. Uh, and I watched the first one again, obviously, to, you know. Of course. Get, get back in the mood. Um and yeah, it was wildly uh, just like so perplexed by the the other films because the first film is a mood more than it's a movie. Oh, yeah. And then the other ones are movies, but they're so different from that first they're, movie. It's really wild that the first one, because like Diana, uh, my partner, was like, she's She's like, oh, I really like the first one. And I was like, I remember liking the second one the best. And I remember the third one being a real stinker. Um, and that, and then just like part two is just like, it's a great, it's just like, there's no other movie like it. It's insane. It, the movie just, it doesn't fucking care about, I can't think of another movie that just does not care. Uh, that's like, not like a Lars von Trier or kind of like poke you kind of like human centipede type thing. Like it's literally, uh, um, but the first one is like, they don't know if they're going to make any more of these. They assume that they are, but they're also like, this is Summit Entertainment. You know, this isn't Universal or anything like that. They haven't been bought by anybody. They are bought eventually. Um, 
when the the last two come out but it's like they don't know if this is going to work and like the books are really big but is that going to translate they've got these unknown actors what are we going to do so they're like kind of making building the rules but then like those rules just go away in the next movies because they're like well that rule doesn't make sense so we can't do it uh it also like is blue and overcast the whole time and then they just get rid of that and sometimes you're just like, why aren't they sparkling right now? Even though it's very clearly the sun is shining on there. It's like, it's overcast. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Okay. It's good. But right. it just like doesn't look like it did before. Um, <laughs> it's And that's the other thing that's like so interesting about these. Why it, it actually was very easy for me to rewatch them so soon after watching all of them just like, you know, barely two years ago. It's just like they're... Each one has a different, like you said, mood. And that's a good word, especially for the first one. But like each one has a different like mode mm-hmm. of what they're trying to do, you know? And it's just like the first one is maybe a little too artsy. Like it wants to kind of be an artsy independent movie. Whereas the second one wants to be like an early 80s high school breakup movie, which is why I love it so much. Um, and then the third one wants to do like that, like, oh, there's a serial killer after us kind of thing and then the last two are just like the the part breaking down part one is not a movie it's insane that like nothing happens in that movie until like maybe the last 20 minutes when they're just like the werewolves are gonna come fight you like the first hour and a half of that movie is just like softcore porn they're getting married and uh they're on their honeymoon and um that's it then all of a sudden it's just like now she's gonna start dying and it's a wild little movie um, but like they're, they're each kind of going for this weird angle that I'm not exactly sure was done on purpose, but they all like, you're right. They all have like a different, like, like attitude towards like what their, what, what Twilight is supposed to be. And I think that is mainly because of you have Melissa Rosenberg, who's writing all of the scripts. And then you just have these very different directors who are kind of coming at it from different backgrounds, like coming at it from like teen comedy backgrounds or independent features or horror movies or musicals, you know, which is Bill Condon's like main background was like musicals and stuff and gods and monsters. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think you just get those really weird things because I don't think at any point anybody actually cared about the continuity of everything. They were just like, well, as long as we have our Pats and Case do, we'll be fine. Yeah. And Jacob and Jacob you got you got to have Tay Tay lot too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's funny that you definitely notice it in part 1 of Breaking Dawn just like it not being a movie and I think that just goes back to Stephanie Meyer just not being a very good author because really mm-hmm. the the bulk of the books are very similar to what you described. There's not a lot happening in any of these books until the last, you know, like However many pages. I can't remember how long these books are. But yeah, there's usually nothing too crazy going on until the very, very end. Until like the start of the third act. But the start of the third act isn't built out of the first two acts. It's just like, oh, now we're getting to like the plot of the movie. The other movies are very, very much like, oh, these characters are just talking and they're angsty. And there's like romance building. But, like, the actual crux of the action 
doesn't take place until like the end. And it's usually just like, oh, yeah, Victoria's still alive. Oh, yeah, Victoria's still alive. Oh, she's back in town. Here comes Victoria. And it's always just like not a steady buildup to when that happens. And it's usually Kristen Stewart as Bella, Bella Swan, being like, oh, you mean Victoria? <laughs> like, just like she, over and she grabs her hair. <gasps> she's like scrunching her at the top of her hair. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what you mean. Um, <laughs> I also love too that each movie, kind of like in the same way that all the Star Wars movies have someone saying a line like, uh, you know, I got a bad feeling about this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Each Twilight movie has a moment where Robert Pattinson's uh, Edward explains to Bella, like, something that they just didn't tell her yet. Uh, And it's like in the second one, it's just like, well, I didn't tell you about the Volturi and stuff. And it's these things. You're (laughs) like, okay. And then that comes back later with the Volturi, which are great. They're great. Um, cool guys They're want great. to hang out um dark jamie bell is there who's also very popular right now because he played uh vecna dark jamie bell i love yeah that. what's his name it's like jamie dwyer poop, poopy whatever yeah i always want to there's a guy uh a canadian who's involved with like the drag race series and his name is jeffrey boyer chapman Uh-oh. and i know that's not this kid but you're, yeah but they have very similar names yeah and then in the third one, he's just like, yeah, there's been this serial killer running around. We've been keeping an eye on him. We have, like, all these things that we do. And then, like, the the fourth one is the funniest one because, like, Robert Pattinson's like, you don't understand, Bella. There was, like, a time where I rebelled and I, like, killed bad people and stuff. And it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't no. do anything. It doesn't explain anything. It doesn't do anything at all. And it never comes back. And I'm like, what the hell was that? Why did they do that? <laughs> And then, the, and then obviously the last one is just like one of my favorite fucking things is when they're like, we're going to go get like the Irish vampires and they're all top of the morning to you and they wear fingerless gloves and the Italian vampires just like Montebello. Oh, yeah. It's like it's abs. It's borderline racist. Oh, but absolutely. Like, it's but it, there's something there where you're just like, well, the fact that they're just at least getting all of these people like Rami Malek is there and Which you know cool. they've got like tribes coming from Africa, like okay, like at least they're there's a there's a nice there's a sweetness to the inclusivity of it all, but you're also like, what's this for? What are you why are you doing this? Um <laughs> yeah, and that's just like one of the many things about uh, BDP2 that I just I can't get over like I, I, was, I completely forgot that they do that where it's just like oh that's right they spend like half an hour of this movie just going around they're just like you know these are the the Spanish ones and they're all just doing <laughs> stuff that you're just like what are you guys fucking doing why are you doing this uh, I know Stephanie Meyer I'm not speaking fact this is just like an assumption she seems like that type of woman who like traveled abroad in college and was like, mm. I'm worldly. I can write about things. Mm. And like, I've been to Italy once. I think I understand. <laughs> and she yeah, just like writes Lee, with Lee like, Pace yeah. showing up as like a Southern. That's the craziest thing. I liked him like a lot. This, oh, he's great. He's fantastic. He's Lee Pace. It's Garrett, great. I think his name was in the movie. Yeah. And then, the, but then the other character that Lee Pace probably should have played shows up who's just like, um, he looks like uh like 
beef jerky version of like Garrett Headland or like the Tron kid. <laughs> you know, like he just looks like he's just kind of like messed up a little bit. Yeah. But he's doing like the whole like he's from London. So he's like, oi. And, you know, he's got fingerless gloves as well and big jackets and stuff. And he's like, oi. And like, all right. And then he doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything. (laughs) I mean, that doesn't even get to the... We'll get to the... The craziest thing that Breaking Dawn Part 2 does uh, later, but... um, (laughs) What else do you want to talk about with these movies? Well, I will say... um, Did you end up seeing Crimes of the Future? Not yet. Okay. Okay, so Case 2 is definitely being Case 2 in Crimes of the Future. And it was the first time since... The Twilight movies where I'm like, got a little Bella Swan in this acting style. Mm -hmm. Um, Just that like really hesitant way of speaking and a lot of sighing and a lot of like, people just don't talk to each other like this, how they talk to each other in the Twilight movies. It's just, oh yeah, people don't talk like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's funny to me because as you know, I was unfamiliar with Robert Pattinson's early work prior to these movies. I think it's great that he got this role. But I bet like the directors or, you know, the casting people looked at him and a, he was a rising star. So of course, uh, why not cast him? And I'm sure his agent probably like was really pushing for him to get cast. But it's funny. Cause like, if you look at his older movies, you're like, Oh yeah, that guy acts a little weird. That guy like acts a little non-human, especially in that, like uh how to be or, <laughs> Yeah, that one, but also the Bad Mother's Handbook. That's the one I'm thinking of exclusively. And it's just like... Bad Mother's Handbook. Hold on, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Bad Mother's Handbook mention. Um, He just acts so weird. And so it's like, okay, cool choice, choosing this actor who acts a little strange, a little otherworldly. In these Twilight movies, he's acting like the most normal we've seen him act so far. Yeah. Yeah, it's which he's, is like crazy to me that they cast him as, and he's like a vampire, a literal fantasy creature, and I'm like he's acting more human than most of the people in this movie. Yeah. Well, he definitely stops like acting uh, in like the last two. Like I, it's yeah. just Robert Pattinson showing up and just doing his thing. Um, like he's just kind of gotten rid of all like the ticks and everything. But watching these things and hearing you talk about right there, uh, it's. I think that everybody, because of these movies, they look at Robert Pattinson as if he's like a Michael J. Fox type. A young star was in a big series and he's huge and now he's doing a bunch of other smaller stuff. When in fact, he's more like Crispin Glover. He is a creepy weirdo little freak who ended up in a major series as a major part. And was like, I'll tone down the weirdness, you know, because that's what this calls for. But then immediately was just like, I mean, the thing that he does after this is like, I'm going to go be in a David Cronenberg movie that takes place in a car. Uh, And it's all about like suicide and death. And it's like, okay, he's trying to like that's I'm very excited about getting to that stuff eventually, too, because that really is him kind of trying to redefine himself. I'm also thinking about watching the case do redefining era in tandem with that as well just Uh to have that for context because i've seen a lot of that stuff like clouds of silmaria and um personal shopper is fantastic but it's like all those moments where they're they're trying to like get away from twilight now that it's kind of over there's the whole weird thing of like them not being together anymore but they were pretending to be together until the movies were done and 
they've like talked openly about that and it's super weird but it's kind of cool that they're still close even though like there was obviously some weird shit went down there i don't think either of them blames each other in a way that like because like they still talk and they, like they they, they they do interviews and stuff like that um yeah she said she genuinely yeah. loved him yeah for sure yeah but they just like it, it like they had it and it burned out and that was it and like it was she never was I macking on that snow white and the huntsman director wow that's the wildest shit <laughs> well apparently she and our pats were still together who knows who knows? None of my business. Right. Uh, don't care. Um, <laughs> they can do whatever the fuck they want. Right. Um, but I am. I am like it does like warm my little heart. Um, to know that like there's no ill will, you mm-hmm. know, because that's that's what's always so nice is knowing like how close of friends like Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher were. Like that's like it's really cool that like you know this like firecracker of a human being like one of the sassiest most like charming but like grouchy men ever and then all and then one of like the the sweetest little like up and comers like they were able to just make it work as a trio yeah like not just on set but in person like it's that i like that so i kind of like that um i like that they're friends i taylor lautner which we haven't really talked too much about him um who I love. I love Jacob in these movies. I think all of those are choices. And um, <laughs> it's great when he takes his shirt off. Um, He's just almost like good for him. Too cute for me. He's like so his cute. face is so cute that he just looks like well, a little boy to me. So it's hard of, for me. It's the opposite of Edward. Yeah. It's the, you know, he's more like your kind of wiry emo oasis kind of like thing oasis. or what are the oasis brothers called i was thinking about that <laughs> earlier like i don't understand why everybody's like so crazy about oasis i don't are you talking about the gallagher's yeah everyone's like yeah. liam gallagher this and blow gallagher that and i'm just and like Noel gallagher wait, yeah wait what the fuck why how are we why is it just the wonderwall song is like that why we're we're just like all up in arms about these guys like why do we care what they're doing now they're like, Liam Gallagher says that he thought that Aesop Rocky was called WhatsApp Ricky or something. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Who cares? What is going on? And they show a picture of Liam sentence. Gallagher. It's good, right? Yeah. yeah. It is, I mean, it's good. It, it, it got me It got me thinking. Um, but yeah, it's like that's Robert Pattinson is like that lane. So then you get like your kind of literal like puppy dog, kind of like cutesy, 17 years old. Um Taylor Lautner definitely looks like he takes care of his skin earlier on in the movies, whereas it becomes apparent that Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson have become rich by Eclipse because they look so good in Eclipse compared to earlier. Like, they always look good, but it's like all of a sudden, like, Robert Pattinson looks extremely healthy. Mm -hmm. He looks like he uh, moisturizes and has his his face taken care of by professionals. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but Jacob Black. Jacob Black. Um, And I was shocked that his wolf was not black. His wolf is brown? mm -hmm. Is that a thing that's in the books? I was just like Mm -hmm. waiting to see like his his black wolf. And I'm like, what's the point of this name? (laughs) If you're not going to be on the nose with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I I kept forgetting that his name was Jacob Black. Jacob Black. And then, like, you pause IMD, you pause, like, Amazon or yeah. whatever, and it's just, like, Fun bop, facts. bop, bop, Jacob Black, and you're like, oh, yeah, right, cool. Um, <laughs> uh, I like I like how he is a crazy person. 
in these movies, like everybody's insane in these movies with the exception of one person. And I'll get to eventually, oh. uh, who is my favorite part of the whole series. Oh, um, wow. Okay. But everybody is insane in these movies, especially like uh, k Stu's mom. Whenever she like shows up and she's just like, ah! and you're like, what the hell is going on with your mom? Like, she's like, we're in Florida. We're in Texas. We're coming. That mom um, sucks. That mom's nuts. <laughs> Not uh, a fan of that mom. But Jacob in particular is just like, he's always just like, he, he needs to chill. He just needs to chill the fuck out. He just needs And I guess a that's life. the point. He can't chill because he's like, my testosterones are ripping me apart. Um, Yeah, he just needs to like chill and maybe Edward is too chill. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah, when Jacob freaked I'm out. I'm moving my hands around. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> when Jacob freaked out about the postmarital sex, the honeymoon sex. Yeah. I'm like, all right, Jacob, you lost. You lost the war, but he's going to kill her. It's like, that's all another right, thing. That's that, fine. Like, Edward she can choose or to some... die by sex. It's fine. That's her choice. Yeah. That's like the moment, like, the, the I got a bad feeling about this moment that Edward or one of the Cullens always tells Bella a piece of information she doesn't know. Another thing that happens in all of these movies is Jacob is being okay with the situation until he learns a piece of information that should have been very obvious. Yes. And he f immediately just reverts back to just like, I can't believe this. And I'm like, Jacob, you're doing so good. What are you doing, man? <laughs> Calm the fuck down. Go to a therapist. Chill. He needs to Take chill some out. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I really loved, um, especially after watching Under the Banner of Heaven, seeing Gil Birmingham play Jacob's dad. That was mm -hmm. great. I was like, man, I'm so glad that I'm watching these movies now, now that I kind of know who some of these actors are. The same thing with Elizabeth Reeser as Esme was so cool, because I finally watched The Haunting of Hill House. You did. And I haven't seen the other two hauntings yet. Sure, sure, sure. But Haunting of Hill House is, I mean, obviously, Dude. everyone loved it for a good reason. It's great. Dude, it's good. It's good. It's good. And But Bly Manor and uh, Midnight Mass, they're just like, I feel like Bly Manor is kind of similar to Hill House, but it's nowhere near as good because Hill House is so good. And that's why I think they really detached with Midnight Mass. Mm -hmm. But they're all good. They're all just really, really good. But- it's hard to not compare them because it's one voice. It's like it's Flanagan doing his thing. But I'm glad you finally caught that because that's, yeah. that's good TV. Very good TV. And like really emotionally affecting. Mm. Um, yeah. Like I thought about it for a long time afterwards. Oh, but, yeah. But yeah, Elizabeth Reeser playing that oldest sister in that show. She does a great job. And then to see her pop up as Esme and just knowing that I watched that first Twilight movie years ago and that that person had no like emotional connection to me. Because I didn't know who that actress was. Mm -hmm. So it was very cool to watch it now, knowing who some of these people are. Yeah, you get like you get like a bunch of random people just kind of popping up. Like obviously later on you get like, you know, fucking Rami Malik is like yeah. showing up in these things. Um But it's it's funny to like rewatch them now and be like, that's right, Anna Kendrick is in all of these movies because she just signed on. Justin Chan. Uh, who plays Eric, like, he's an amazing director now. He made Blue Bayou and Gook, uh, which are amazing movies. And then it's like, I'm just, like, looking at everybody else, like, in New Moon, like, there's that weird dude, Cam G Gigandet. Who, yeah, yeah, I don't know plays, how you pronounce that. I don't know. But, of course, Michael Sheen. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. 
uh, Peter Facinelli is in all of these goddamn things. Yeah, Peter Facinelli is like really chewing on the scenery for sure. Oh, he's having a he's having a great time. Yeah, it's just it's wild uh, the amount of people that just like kind of keep popping in and out of all these things. And then, but then you get something like in Eclipse when like Riley shows up, you're like, "Who's that guy? Do I recognize him?" And then like you look him up and you're like, "No, no, I don't recognize him from anything. No, I, re- I recognize him from when I watched Eclipse two years ago. Sure, I was like, "What? Don't shouldn't that be like a person? A person? <laughs> shouldn't I like, know this fellow? Shouldn't you just like like land someone like I don't know, Rami Malik? I don't know, like right. do something? I don't know." Right, yeah. Well, it's funny because especially with the Cullen family, with like Nikki Reed and Ashley Green and Kellen Lutz and the guy who played Jasper, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, But yeah, like all of those people were huge during Twilight and like just a little bit before. But you don't really hear about those people anymore. Like those people have kind of faded and do, I don't know. I'm sure they're still working, probably. The guy that plays Jasper is like... His, like, accent, like, changes, like, constantly. Yeah. Like, he's yeah. not playing Southern in the first two. No. He's not. Because they don't it's have his backstory. <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden they're like, that's, I love that about Eclipse. It's like everybody gets a little backstory <laughs> kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, literally the scene that he starts talking about it starts off without a Southern accent. And yes. then, and then he was just like, he just, he just tosses it on. And you're like, oh, I guess he's from the South. That makes sense. Has he always sounded like that? And then he stops sounding like that again. And you're like, it's like the movie's gaslighting you into thinking that it's like, we're doing this on purpose. We know. Don't worry about it. We know. We know. Yeah. His hair also kills me because his wig in the first two movies is so radically different from his wig in the last movies, but none of them are good. It's just Mm. like, what are you doing with this hair? Peter Facinelli as... uh, Carlisle, his wig is awful. Oh, yeah. It's just like, these people are vampires. They're supposed to be eternally beautiful. And I get it. Like, what are you saying about blondes? Well, I guess some of them have darker hair. But they like, have darker hair. Carlisle, and they, they try to darken no. them a little bit more, too, yes. like as it goes on. Because they're like, maybe we don't want to do this whole super blonde hair white family thing right now uh right the guy that plays jasper his name is jackson rathbone yes jackson rathbone how could i forget that's such an interesting name yeah he is uh um not a good actor uh the um but you know who is a good actor oh i'm excited uh billy burke yes as bella's dad i think nails Every single scene and every single weird piece of dialogue and moment that the entire franchise throws at him. Like, in any other scene, in any other series, where a person whose literal job is to be a detective and never figures any of this out is being lied to by every single character other than (laughs) himself. Right. Because everybody knows about it. The reveal of, like, when Jacob, like, tells him, like, even though it's done, like, in a very funny way with Jacob, like, taking his clothes off and stuff like that, which I think top tier comedy. Um, yeah, gay panic. I love it. But he's also a child. Right. He's a, that's I think that's more yeah. kind of what's going on there. Where He's like, um, dude, like, you're like 17 years old. What are you doing? I have known you since you were a child. <laughs> um, Like how he handles that, like, and like the shock of it and everything. And then, like wanting to go see Bella again and like understanding that like something's going on. There's a little, so you've read the book um, and Diana has read the first book, I believe. 
Um, I can't say this is going to be helpful, but yes, go ahead and ask. Uh, it's something that I noticed in, I think it was New Moon or Eclipse, is that he's sleeping on the couch in every scene because the house is only one bedroom and he gave it to Bella. I guess so. And that's, but Diana was like, oh, that's in the book. I okay. remember that being a specific thing that's in the book. So I was wondering if you, because I'd never picked up on that the first time I watched him. And then this time I was like, why is he always sleeping on the couch? Is it like, are, are they insinuating like, oh, he's just like a big old drunk? Because it's like, he's he's down in beers and having fun, but he's never like drunk and like yelling at Bella or anything like that. So I was like, are they, why are they doing that? And I'm like, oh, that's his bedroom. Because Bella, he gave the one bedroom to Bella so she could come live with him. That's so fucking cool. And I kind of like that they don't like put that out front and say like like with a line that it's something that you can kind of pick up on. Oh, yeah. I guess uh, I didn't really think that was too strange or really put a lot of thought into it because my mom totally has a bedroom, but she'll just like fall asleep watching TV all the time. And especially when I go home to visit. I'll have to be like, Mom, go to bed. Mom, go to bed. She was just like falling asleep. And she was like, I'm just resting my eyes. It's like, mm-hmm. go to bed. Go to bed. So like my mom would fall asleep on the couch all the time. So I guess I just didn't really think about it. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that I feel like that's everybody like and I didn't even think about it at first either. And then I just like started picking up on it because I was, you know, when I was rewatching them this time, I was really trying to. Do a lot of the heavy lifting and connect these things and try and figure out like what, you know, I wanted to look at it from like a directing standpoint because I thought it was really interesting that they're all directed differently. And I remember them all feeling like wildly different movies Mm -hmm. and also zoning in on like what's Robert Pattinson doing, which unfortunately is not all that interesting outside of the first one. Um, Yeah, not so much. Because that's the one where he's doing stuff. And he's also doing that same stuff in New Moon. He's just not in New Moon all that much. He's at the beginning and the end. He's still doing those like kind of weird little like, but like it's all gone in Eclipse. It's just like immediately gone. Yep. Yep. I will say I was pretty impressed because in part two, after Renesmee is born, I was surprised at how well our pets acted like a dad. I felt like he had, like, good dad energy, which was wild because watching him slightly age, I think they did a good job of making him look pretty much the same age the whole time. Mm -hmm. Whereas, thankfully, Kristen Stewart looked like she grew up a little bit, which was good because she looks like a baby in the first one. She's so so young. fucking young in that first one. Right. It's insane. And it's the same thing with um, uh, Taylor Lautner, where you're just like, you are a child. Yes. You know? And then it's like, okay, they need to, he needs to just fill out a little bit more. Not in that way, but just like, he needs to like be a little taller and maybe lose some of like the baby cheeks. Yeah, the baby cheeks, for sure. But yeah, I was shocked because there's a scene where I think Bella's looking at Edward from across the room and Edward's like holding Renesmee and like talking to his family. And I was just like, oh, I kind of believe that that is his child, which not a lot of acting in that scene. I mean, it was like a throwaway scene, really. Um, But yeah, I was kind of shocked. But yeah, he doesn't really do much in these movies, like you said. No, especially in the latter ones. Like it's... Eclipse is like where he's still got a little bit to do, but really in Breaking Dawn, there's nothing really left for him to do. It's more the Cullen family as yeah. a unit. Yeah. Um, I mean, he- and him like trying to like feel bad about Bella dying and shit. Yeah. 
I mean, he does have that like pretty intense scene at the end where he thinks Bell is dead and he's like yeah. trying to get his his venom. I think it's so funny when they like specify whose venom it is. He's like, "This is my venom." It's my venom. It's like, okay, How'd you're all vampires. <laughs> Whatever. How'd they get that? How'd they get that? I don't know. And, he, and then he's like, "Um, um, um." He's like biting her all over. <laughs> um. Um, um. You um, won't be a vampire. Um, we just um. we went we went we 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 briskly just waltzed right over one of like as because it's it's not a horror franchise but it's got like horror elements to it like classic kind of like animals and stuff and I think that the absolute scariest thing in this series is. Renesmee's face. <laughs> I like, love it so much. I, oh, I know people I think hated it's so it, but I insane. loved it. <laughs> I mean, I love it for like the whacked outness of BDP2. Like, yeah. I love it because it's like, look, they don't fucking care. Like, they don't. S- someone paid someone to do that. And then someone also got, a bunch of people probably got paid to look at it before it was finished and go, it's finished and they went it's finished when it was not and it's just like because that's obviously a big thing that the movies have to get over is this moment that is going to happen where the one part of this like love triangle that you've been following for all these books or movies is going to look at a baby that has just been born moments ago and go that's her i am gonna marry that baby (laughs) that's the one and they have to like figure out a way to make that work. And I think they do a good enough job. I was surprised that they did as good of a job as what they did. And I think a lot of it goes to Taylor Lautner um, being able to kind of sell the idea of like, it's not so much romantic or sexual. It's like a protection thing. It's like, I will do anything to protect this kid. And I'm like, I get that they're doing that. I feel like they could have pushed it a little bit further in the protection direction. Yeah. The protection direction. The protection um, direction. Especially because, like, there's a reason to just do it because all the werewolves are about to come and, like, destroy her. So, like, if you imprint on her, it's a cheat. Yes. And they can't do it. And I'm like, <laughs> just do that on purpose. Yeah. And it's like, sacrifice your your one imprinting that you have, like, to be able to protect the daughter of the woman that you love. Yeah. Just do that. You don't have to grow up and marry her. <laughs> it's fucking weird. It's a super weird thing to fucking do. do. You gotta commit. And is that supposed to be like? Is that? I mean, you know, we've also like kind of briskly moved around like the Mormonism of all of this. Of mm-hmm. Stephanie Meyer. Um, there's a lot of obvious kind of like Mormon metaphors and these things. But like, is that supposed to be something like? Do Mormons do like? My son, my son Billy is going to marry your daughter. Sarah, like when they're eighteen, they don't do that, do they? Oh, I'm sure I have they no do. Idea. Do that? Yeah, I, they probably do. I don't yeah, know. okay. I have no <laughs> well, idea. I have no idea. Especially all of those fundamentalist Mormons. Definitely, like they they definitely choose the roles. Like they just make them up as they go. You know, they're like, well, sure. Oh, right. well, I got a calling that like this person is going to be my wife, and then they make sure that that person ends up being their wife. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like, too, like, Jacob, while I think it is overall sweet that he imprints on the the wee baby Renesmee. You can I get think, why that would seem like a good idea at first. Yes. And how it might be easier to pull it off in a book. In a book. Than Not a physical a movie, baby yeah. that you have to see. 
that has like a weird Who Framed Roger Rabbit face. Yes. It looks like, um, remember Steve Odenkirk used to do like thumb wars? Oh, yes. And, and they would like put the, the, the eyes. That's what it looks like. It yes. looks like, ah! I, I can't. All of his thumb movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I wish they would have leaned more into like the soulmate idea because really that's what it is. Like the imprinting yeah. is a soulmate. And yeah. yeah, sometimes your soulmate has to be young. They have to be born to end up being your soulmate. It's wild. It's so wild. <laughs> so I mean, yes, strange, not great. They executed they, it almost as well as they could have. And Case Stu's response as Bella was like pretty good. She was like, mm-hmm. "You mean my fucking baby? I haven't even held her twice." Yeah, he, that that happens. That like that's I that makes that, sense. That to do confrontation that. for sure. <laughs> it, I also like the tenacity of uh, BDP two to linger on using the CGI face, like. They very quickly could have just gotten the actress and like now it looks like that. Right. But there's like three or four scenes that happen in between like when she's no longer like a baby and she's a toddler now to when she is like no CGI on her face. Like there's a couple scenes in there where it's like she does not have to be this young here. You can just put her in there and it's like they're like when she's in the car and she's like, are they going to like me? I'm like. It's like they're rubbing our noses in. They're like, yeah, you like this creepy looking little fucking shit, don't you? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, daddy, I do. But like, I don't understand why you're still doing it. And they're, you're like, that has to be the last one, right? And then she's in bed and you're like, they're still fucking doing it. Just like, let, let it be a person. I don't know. It was like, really, <laughs> that fucking movie. I think it's a little bit even more messed up later on when Alice brings her like, Ace in the hole vampires that she found. Oh yeah. And she's like, How how fast did you age? And he's like, I aged in seven years. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, this is your hall pass that now Jacob only has to wait seven years and Renezme will be fully grown. And seven years old, yep. you crazy, crazy people. Yep. <laughs> but again, it's like I think that Stephanie Meyer is it Stephanie Meyer or Myers? Meyer. Meyer, Singular. okay, yeah, My, yeah, Mike Meyer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean some offense, but I in no way mean to be mean or nasty. I don't think Stephanie Meyer is a particularly intelligent person as far as um, metaphor and singularity and storytelling like the obvious thing of like if you have sex with men you will get pregnant and they will try to kill you is apparent in twilight and that's just stuff that is in all universal monster movies essentially Mm -hmm. that's what vampires just are you know it's not very hard to go oh uh, a person who is going through puberty and when they lose their control they turn into a wolf like i get it i know what you're doing um but it's like in stuff like it's <laughs> with, when it, like it's I I don't think that she understood what she was doing when she's like with the whole Renesmee Jacob thing. I really truly don't. I think she was like, "What? What's the problem here?" But the thing is, is that everyone else making these movies, they did know. Yes, there's no way that the dude who made who wrote Chicago and Gods and Monsters. <laughs> Is looking at this and going like, what? This is fine. Like, they knew it and they just, like, lean in. Because they're like, look, 
the the fan base will be pissed off if we don't do it. We have to figure right. out a way to try and do it. Um, apparently, at some point, like they had always asked Chris Weitz if he wanted to return because apparently that was like a very good movie making experience. Apparently, David Slade was a little um, brisk. Oh, um, that's so funny. I have a story about but, that later. Okay, cool. And then Chris White's like, they were like, well, no, I don't want to come back or anything like that. And they were like, well, we're trying to figure out this whole Jacob Renesme problem. Do you have any pitches as to like how to like help glaze that over? And he was like, apparently he was just, he said something to the effect of like, are you guys out of your mind? Like, I have no idea how you're going to do that. I don't want to touch that. I don't want to be associated with that. That's Melissa Rosenberg. You, you, you do that. Um, but again, I do think that they pull it off. I think that's the best version. I think yeah. it'd be maybe a slightly bit better, but I think that's the best version to pull off what they're going for while also appeasing, you know, the weird freaks that read the book and were just like, no, it has to happen. That's important. Yeah. He has to he has to be in love with the baby. <laughs> it's the whole reason I'm into it's the this. Whole point. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I like how Edward, too, is, like, so cool with it. By the time that, like, Bella finds out about the imprinting, Edward's like, he explained it to me. I get it. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah, that's so funny because uh, Eclipse is the only movie that I noticed on Amazon, because I rented all of these on Amazon, and some of them have extended editions, and the ones that had extended editions I watched um oh boy so i don't really know what was extra and what wasn't because i <laughs> haven't seen the original cut i guess but the eclipse movie had like bonus features after the film like that was like the version that was available mm-hmm. and so as soon as the credits were over it went into like this documentary about the making of the movie and oh. how all of the actors were being like, interviewed like face on like about david slade mm-hmm. and like all of them kept saying like we get to work with david slade like it's so great working with david slade and after oh. the fifth one i was like you guys did not like working with david right slade. Like, yeah it seemed like, like hmm. you don't have to sell me on this i also like to like they're treating david slade back in like 2010 with like 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 like, the I grandeur know who of was. working with Steven Spielberg. Right. They're like, I can't believe I get to work with David Slade, the director of 30 Days of Night. <laughs> it's like, you guys you know? just found out who this guy was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not He's, like some wild thing. It's like, nowadays, knowing who David Slade is, maybe from, you know, the Black Mirror episodes, mm-hmm. like, he's he's done a bunch, but he did um, Bandersnatch, which right. is probably the most popular one. That I can get. I'm like, back then, I'm like... The hard candy guy? Like, I mean, I guess I could maybe see Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson, like, kind of being into that. But, like, that's... <laughs> like, yeah, like, the, the Elliot Page, like, weird Patrick Wilson fucking pedophile movie. Like, you're like, yeah, we love working with David Slade. He's, he's here <laughs> to bring out the next chapter of the Twilight Saga to the big screen. No, 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 no. <laughs> While we're on Eclipse too, we should definitely yes. mention um, the 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 rudeness, the rudeness of recasting yeah. um, Veronica, Veronica Victoria Victoria. I knew I got it wrong, but like fuck it, who cares? Um, <laughs> it's so weird that they do that. Yeah, it is weird, especially when because here's another thing about all these movies: great endings. 
great final shots. Because they finally really like, know what the movie's doing at the end of the movie. It seems like for end. like the first two thirds of each movie, they're like, we don't really know what this is. Yeah, it's the uh, the the ending of the first movie is one of the fucking craziest things I've ever seen. And it's it's them dancing and being all cute and talky. And then you think that's going to be the end of the movie, and then it slowly pans up and shows Victoria <laughs> up in the window, and then she like turns around and slowly turns into like a like a and throws she turns her into, like, shawl an, off. She, yeah, she turns into like a, an Aerosmith music video, yes. and like starts going down the staircase smiling, and that's when the credits start, and it like ends on her face, and then like the next time you see her, two movies later, it's a different actress for no reason. No Other reason. than Bryce Dallas Howard was, I guess, famous. I mean, yeah. like, they don't have to be famous. Like, the Riley character isn't famous. I don't know. I just think it, I think it's very rude because I think that the actress who played Victoria in the first one did great. Yeah. Uh, wasn't wasn't sticking out like a sore thumb to me. So I don't know why they did it other than they were like, well, we just want to get somebody who's who's got a little bit more oomph in their name. And I'm like. Bryce Dallas Howard? <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I don't understand that either. I wonder if it was like a scheduling conflict or maybe like a contract wasn't working Oh no, the she way. got fired. Yeah, what's the deal with that then? I don't know. I Weird. don't know. Like, But I do know from listening to like behind the scenes stuff and people talk about it a couple years ago that it was like she was fired. Oh. Like she was asked to not return and replace with Bryce Dallas Howard. Hmm. And I do not think it was any fault of her. Interesting. I'm getting the vibe that it was like, no, we just want to get up, up, up a famous redhead. Yeah, which is crazy because in the first film, Twilight, her hair looks great. And maybe it was a wig. Probably was a wig. But it looked no great. wigs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense for films to just have wigs and not hair. But Bryce Dallas Howard, as a redhead... I'm sure she was also wearing a wig and her hair looked terrible. It looked so dumb in Eclipse. Oh, yeah. It's like hair doesn't look like that, even if you're a vampire. Because I've learned the rules of these movies and vampire hair doesn't look like that. Eclipse is definitely great, too, because it's like, uh, you know that there was a lot of reshoots because these things just have reshoots. They're just going to have them. And you can tell when Kristen Stewart is like wearing a wig because it's like, what are you doing? That's not what her hair looked like a moment ago. And again, it's just like, they're just like, we don't fucking care. No one's watching this for the hair. Nobody, yeah, like fucking Chelsea and Marie don't give a shit that, <laughs> that like, oh, it's not real hair. Like, they're just here to swoon, you know? Yeah, the hair and, and the J- Jacob takes his shirt off and everybody claps. Yes. It's good. It's good. <laughs> um, I would be remiss if we didn't at least speak on... Uh, New Moon, um, which okay. I genuinely do think is a pretty good movie. Uh, I think it has the then, best opener, hands down. Oh, it's probably the best. Hands down, one got of the, the best, best opener, and it's got the best. I think it's got the best ending too, where he's just he asked her to marry him. Like that's yeah. the whole. It's the movie that is. It's written by Melissa Rosenberg, but Chris White's directed it and definitely tweaked some things here and there. And he is a very good writer. He wrote about a boy about and a directed boy. that as well. Yeah. yeah. He's very good. Um, he's got a lot of heart. And I think that he's able to like kind of work in little tiny changes that kind of make it feel like a more um, isolated movie, which is what it needs to be because it's 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 hard to 
make something that has an impact in like its runtime if you know like there's three other of these things you know Mm -hmm. um but i really do like the idea of like how it's kind of broken down into three different movies and it really is only a twilight movie in the sense of what these things become at the end with the valtori and stuff and by that point that's so b movie energy and michael sheen is showing up and just having a great time (laughs) Mm -hmm. i like it a lot but I love the the whole idea of it being like this is um, a young girl going through like her first big breakup and then like, you know, her best friend who's been like kind of like, quote unquote, friend zoned. And his, you have all of those different angles happening. And the thing that I think that's really special about it is that Jacob is allowed to like develop as a character throughout the whole movie and they spend a lot of time developing his character and developing the relationship between the two of them, which I think they lose in Eclipse because it becomes very apparent. Like she's going to end up with Edward. It's not a big deal, but in new moon, you really do get like, like she could be happy with Jacob and like, like that, that's the overall crux of what you think that these movies are, but they really just do drop it by the end of Eclipse. And even in Eclipse, it's kind of like, well, it's already done. Like it's not, nothing's going to change this, you know, like, and you get that whole scene where Jacob like steals a kiss from Bella and she punches him in the face, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she uh, sprains her hand. I think she breaks um, it. She breaks it. But uh, I, I like, I like the kind of like weird, like, um, like one crazy summer or better off dead kind of like de- melancholy depression vibe that I get from it, where they're also trying to treat it a little lightly. It, they don't go full, Drum, dramatic stuff. I love the cut of like, you know, the the camera going around her and the seasons passing and it's just Billy Burke doing like in October, he's trick-or-treaters. In November, he's like raking leaves. You know, he's just doing the stuff that seasons do. Um, right. And then it like completely, like it hard cuts from like, like her narration saying something like, you know, it's just like, and it was like a pain I couldn't bear or whatever like that. And then it's her like screaming in bed and, you know, like kind of it's that overacting kind of stuff. But like, if you've been in a really bad breakup, especially when you were that young, because mm-hmm. we have to remember that Bella's supposed to be like 16 years old in that movie. Yeah. I think she's 17. Yeah. You're, you're, you take it really intensely and you, you overreact. Uh, you know, it's the end of the world to you. And I think that they do a really good job in presenting that while also not mocking her for it. I think for they sure. keep it at the forefront in the movie that, Especially between Jacob and Bella, like these are children and they they are dealing with things that like every young adult is going to deal with at one point or another. There's just also vampires and werewolves. Yeah. You know, and I, that's the thing that I really dug about the movie is like if they took away the vampire and werewolf stuff, you'd obviously have to change things up. But it's it's a good breakup movie. It's a good like there's character definition, there's arcs, um, there's development and then there's like closure and that's something that all the other movies don't have, you know? None no. of the movies have, like, this kind of <laughs> finality or end point or theme that they're trying to discuss. Uh-uh. And, yeah, I kind of liked it, too, because as much of, like, Stephanie Meyer thinks that she's writing a character saying she's, like, clumsy and so out of this world, like, she can't identify and she can't, like, assimilate into, like, normal teenage life – she doesn't really build out the character of Bella in any, like, convincible way to make her seem like a real human. Um, and the whole clumsy thing is so silly, but, like, the whole time, it's like Edward telling her, like, Bella, you could get hurt. 
and Jacob telling her, like, Bella, you could get hurt. But meanwhile, it's after this breakup, and I like that it gets that dark where Bella becomes, like, that adventure seeker and action seeker where she's like, all right, I guess uh, the closer I get to death, maybe I'll see Edward. And I think that's cool because it's finally like, oh, no, Bella's going to hurt herself because she's so depressed. Yes. And yeah, I think that's a very compelling story to watch. It's sad and heartbreaking, but at least Bella seemed like a real person in that movie. Because the rest of the time, you're like, okay, I get it. Jacob's pining after her and Edward's pining after her. But why? Like, who is she? Like, what What about her is there to love? Because she's such a hollow character. Yeah. Like, Kristen Stewart brings as much as she can to the character. But that's just how Bella's written in the book. There's not too. a whole like, lot. Yeah, I, I don't blame. It's the her. same. I don't blame Robert Pattinson for kind of checking out halfway yeah. through the series. Like, I don't blame him at all. I think what he's doing when he seems interested in the earlier ones is interesting and fun, but I can totally see him getting so fucking bored with this shit. (laughs) He he has to act like he's in love with a person that barely exists. And I mean, Stephanie Meyer wrote the book that way because she wanted women who were reading the book to feel like they were Bella. So they couldn't, she couldn't really like define who Bella was because then women wouldn't be like, Oh, I can identify with this person. So she has, like, barely any character traits, except, like, all of, like, the common things, I guess, that women are told about themselves. I don't know. It's like she's such a hollow character that you, as the reader, put yourself in Bella's shoes. And you're like, oh, I am Bella. Because she's so bland. Like, anyone Mm. can be Bella. So I feel so bad for Kristen Stewart having to play that on screen. And it's wild that Rosenberg did the screenplay for every single film. And she just stuck to the material. Like, she really did. She didn't get, try to, I mean, like, I beef it up I guarantee Stephanie Meyer was like, you don't change too much. I no. have to approve any changes and stuff like that. Because, yep. again, she wanted her weird little freaky Mormon shit to be in there. It's just like, stop. Stop. Like, it's any – It's and it's funny because, like, it's, it's kind of like the um, – you're watching the movie – and it seems like the movies try to distance themselves from those themes as much as possible. But, like, you just can't in certain spots. Like, the whole point of multiple conversations of them, like, not being able to sleep together until they're married or being turned or anything. Like, that is the whole thing. That is what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It is Jonas Brothers, baby. It is, like, that's what's going on. Um, I wish that they had promise rings. Aww. Promise rings? Is that what they call yeah, them? Promise rings? For sure. Commitment. Commitment pendants. Promise rings. Yeah. Promise rings. Commitment pendants. <laughs> commitment um, <laughs> It's really good. Uh, we, it's, it's very odd when like those things like start kind of popping up, but you can tell that like, you know, that's the main thing that why she wrote the books. And that's why 50 shades of gray, another series that I watched two years ago when I was done watching the twilight ones, because those are notoriously was, someone making twilight fan fiction but making it more aggressive and um pornographic i guess would be uh, like yeah, it's it, i guess more adult i don't know more know. adults they, they they just tried to make it more sexual they tried to bring yes. the sexuality up and that's pretty much all they were and then they just changed the names and boom you're good to go which is very funny to imagine like edward cullen is like this businessman <laughs> <laughs> it's just like 
Oh, Bella. But it would go with along with his character where he's like, I need to reveal something to you. Right. I'm into this, you yeah. know? I've never told you about it before. This is the skin of a killer, Bella. <laughs> um, those and- <laughs> movies are also great. Highly recommend. Um, suffer from a lot of the same issues that these ones do, but mm-hmm. also have, like, Jamie Dornan is so goddamn good in it and um uh dakota johnson is just like i almost said dakota fanning and i was like that is not who is in that movie uh (laughs) dakota johnson is just like out of control in those movies too but is like kind of doing the same thing that you're talking about here with um Kristen Stewart's Bella, where it's just like kind of just like an empty vessel for you to project your shit onto and it's that was one of like you know, the more inch quote unquote interesting things about watching the Twilight series and uh, the Fifty Shades series like back to back was kind of seeing like, oh, these are like the same character. Like they're from like the same fan fiction, but like they have those same, that same thing again that you were talking about where it's just like you're, she's an empty vessel that you're just kind of imprinting yourself upon where you can be like, I want to fall in love with a vampire or like I want to, be chained up by a very very rich man you know <laughs> right. like it's i mean she does like doing that in in the movies like i would imagine it's the same in the books um she enjoys it quite a bit um and he enjoys it as well too which seems to be more important to the books but that's fine um yeah it's it's just an interesting thing where it's like you have to make your character so vapid and removed of any personality in order to be able to sell it and in a book, you can kind of get away with that. Like, it's the same thing with, like, the mystery of a character and not really knowing too much about them and talking about them. Like, The Great Gatsby does that for a while before you actually meet Gatsby. There's that whole chapter of everybody just talking about him and talking about him. And then when he arrives, you already know in your head, like, what he's supposed to look like and stuff without even the descriptors. Like, you can do that in books, but in movies, like, you need to have, like, a a centered personality a character you have to have Mm -hmm. a character and otherwise you have to rely on like internal monologue which most of the movies do like they use like narration and stuff new moon is the one that i think uses it the the least um at least i was noticing like oh it's only used like um instead of the movie opening with it it opens with that amazing dream sequence with the grandma which is awesome yeah good And it's like, you can see like all the other movies start with like her saying something like, you know, to the effect of just like, I I always thought that when I died, that it would be for a reason. But then I found out that the best reason would be to never die at all. Like something stupid like that. It's my least favorite thing about all of the movies. Is the narration, the opening and the closing. Yeah. I feel like New Moon is like, you know, I don't know if that scene's in the book. Or there's something like that in there. But I feel like there was like five or six lines that were at the beginning of the script that was just Bella explaining aging, making choices, growing old. And he was just like, no, do that. We should do this. We should do this instead. That is visually, this is a visual art form. We do not need Kristen Stewart to sit in a room in front of a microphone and explain to us what the theme of the movie is going to be. Right. This is a visual art form. We will show it right here. Right. She's afraid that she's going to grow old and die and Edward and she'll lose Edward and like Edward won't love her anymore. That's the whole point. That's what the movie's about <laughs> is that Edward's not going to love her anymore for some reason. Yeah, um, exactly. And it's 
it is just kind of like, again, it's like, I'm kind of repeating myself on it, but it's like, I don't blame Kristen Stewart for this. And I no, feel like it's not her fault. I feel like us as a culture did. Yes. Like everyone was like, oh, she's so wooden. She's so blah, blah, blah. Like I've notoriously said, um, embarrassingly that the first time I watched Twilight, uh, the first one way back when it first came out, I had no idea what Twilight was. I didn't know what the hook of it was. I just knew there were vampires in it. And I literally mm-hmm. thought that the point of Twilight was that it was a young girl with special needs who falls in love with a vampire. Oh, no. I know it's not good, it, but like that's what I thought it was. I was like, oh, she's a little awkward and like, oh, there's a girl and like she's not noticing things and she's like eating celery really weird and like she's not using a ketchup bottle properly. Like I'm noticing these things and I'm just like, oh, so she's just like a little, you know, special. Like it's it's fine. That's interesting. And then like I said that out loud while we were watching they were like that's not what this is what are you talking about she's just a fucking like 16 year old girl like that's it she's just awkward and i was like oh okay that's fine too (laughs) but it's like for me to like make that leap onto these things or it's just like i was i realized now like oh i was just grasping at anything other than she's awkward and in a new school you know i was just trying to grab like they're not all gonna be about this are they there's gotta be something else here to her character oh there isn't okay yeah it's it's one of my least favorite types of character building where they tell you that the character is intelligent rather than you seeing the character be intelligent. Mm-hmm. It's one of my least favorite things. Um, it's one of the reasons I really dislike Gilmore Girls because you see Rory just like spouting off all of this pop culture nonsense all the time. But meanwhile, you never see her watch television. Like there's no way for her to get that information. So how does she have it? if it's not just written dialogue for her to say. Sure. And so I feel the same way about Bella. Like, apparently she's very intelligent and she's a good student. And a lot of the, like, voiceover dialogue that opens the movie or closes the movie are, like, references to something else. Like, she quotes books. She quotes, like, all of these things, poetry, what have you. And I'm like, I don't believe you. I don't believe that this character has this knowledge. Because we don't see her get any knowledge. And you've given me multiple, like, shots and scenes where you're showing just, like, how, like, dumb she is. And I'm not saying you can be, like, you can definitely be book smart and just be clumsy and, like, socially not smart. For sure. Mm -hmm. I believe that. I can agree with that. But they don't really give you any tangible evidence that Bella, like, is a person who, like, thinks for herself. Mm-hmm. or learns anything and so it's just wild that she's like the heart of these stories that people are pining over but also these films too do the thing where it's like are we letting ourselves to see this woman defining herself and her self-worth by these men that are attracted to her it kind of falls into that trap as well which is hard to watch for five movies <laughs> they just really stretch it out mm. they're just like yeah, this this woman doesn't see a future for herself if it doesn't include this dude. It's like, cool. <laughs> yeah. Great. And I mean, and you know, and just to go back to like, you know, she, it's she's maybe the heart of the film, but I mean, I think we all know that the the true heart of the film is Charlie. <laughs> he's the one's he's the thing that keeps it all together. That's true. Uh he's got that great joke where he's like cleaning he's like cleaning the gun. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, bring him in. <laughs> he clicks the gun out. And that is funny. It's pretty good. 
he's he's a nice guy. Um, I'm I'm happy that he seems to be doing all right by the end of these movies. Yeah. I was happy nothing happened to him. Yeah, he's doing okay. And I do think it's funny that he's a policeman, and how they get around with like not explaining what happened to Bella. They're like, "It's need to know," and he was like, "All right." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love, I love that he once he knows that something's up, but he's like, not they can't explain everything to him. He kind of picks up on that right away, and he's like, "All right, need to know. I got you. I, I support you." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the last thing, and we really haven't talked about Robert Pattinson all that much at all. But yeah, I mean, my, <laughs> my favorite bits of all of these movies, uh, in no specific order, that opening scene in New Moon mm. with the grandma and the dream, I think that is very cool. Liked it a lot. I actually really loved what they did, uh, visual effects, makeup-wise, to Kristen Stewart when she was so frail and dying. I oh, thought yeah. she looked pretty it looked good. Real. It looked real. Like, Diana was like, she needs a sandwich. Like, why is she looking like that? And I was like, they're CGIing it. And she's like, no, they're not. That's That looks real. And I was like, no, they're like mixing makeup and CGI to like get that done. It's like, it looks crazy. Th- there's definitely certain scenes, obviously, when you start seeing like her wrists and her arms and stuff, you're like, oh yeah, that is CGI, but it's like the monstrosity of it all. Yeah, even when you see her on, like, her deathbed, essentially, I'm like, I know this is CGI, but I was impressed, actually. I'm like, the way her I mean, face looked, that, impressed. That birth scene is pretty fucking wild for a PG-13 movie that's being angled at, you know, women between the ages of, like, 12 and 19. Like, it's pretty wild that they go that far with it. Because uh, apparently the book is also really nasty in that scene, too. They kind of allude to the fact that he's biting through the umbilical cord, like, mm-hmm. without actually and showing it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's cool. <laughs> cool. It's cool. I like it a lot. <laughs> Every father's dream. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and then my third favorite bit is just so small. It is in that final future battle, the, the battle that never <laughs> happened, which I know we didn't get into yet. Oh, but we'll get into it. The the vampire on the council that looks the oldest. I don't know if he is the oldest vampire, mm-hmm. but I love the moment where those two brothers, oh, yeah. I think from mm-hmm. Greece, are running at him, and they're going to kill him. They're going to tear him apart. And he says, "Finally." Oh, you you think that those guys are from Greece? The, <laughs> where are the they ones from? named Vladimir. Oh, Romania. Got it. Got who, it. Who are like, who are like talking like they're like, um, to this goes, goes, yes. They're actually Romanian. Yeah. Yeah. It's those two dudes. They're running at him. And the old vampire on the couch wants to die. He's like, oh, finally. Jesus. Like, this is, I'm just so sick of this shit. That slayed me. I mean, it's, we have to talk about, you know, I, I, I wanted to get my new moon in there a little bit. Um, and the, the, the not being a movie of Breaking Dawn, uh, uh, BDP one is insane how it's like not a movie and really weird. Um, but, uh, BDP two. Well, very quickly, BDP one. No, no. Oh, no. Yeah, please. Is finally, I think Edward is an edgelord. Edward. Edgelord. Oh. So close in name. Edgelord Cullen. Yes. Edgelord Cullen. He's just like edging Bella for movies. And then he marries her 
And he was like, I don't think I still can. And she was like, fuck you, dude. I married you. Mm -hmm. You're going to screw me. And finally, you get like that movie where, because I think the movies are for teen teen girls, for sure. But I think they're also for middle-aged women who have just been waiting for Um. BDP1 to finally happen and i think it's hilarious oh, people they who have grown out of, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah like the harry potter books and stuff like that we grew up with them like that kind of sure totally yeah and so i think bdp1 even though you're right it is a commercial for um brazil <laughs> that is what mm-hmm. that movie is i mean it looks like a lot of fun when it's, they get there i'm like yes. oh that's nice that looks like fun yeah put that up on airbnb i'm sure plenty of people would stay there but yes so bdp2 continue the ending of uh, BDP2, it, it's, it is insane. Like, it's for obvious reasons, but if you start talking about it out loud, it starts to drive you crazy. So let's go for it. So it's, we obviously are on the same page of just like the complete um, lack of respect for an audience that it has. Like, it showcases just like all of these things that all five movies have been building towards. And it ends it in this gigantic climax that you've been waiting for for five movies, or at least four, ever since the Valtori were like, we're going to get you, you sons of bitches. We're going we're to get you, but our motive is always going to be moving. Yes, we're, we're moving around, yeah. And it's it's uh, to end with all of that and have like major character deaths and all this crazy stuff, and then to just like pull it away. Is like, I get what they're doing, but it is like... If I cared about this shit in any small way and I went and saw that opening night, I don't know if it's like that in the books, too. So maybe people would be expecting that. But it's like when that happens, like I probably would have rioted. I probably would have like started <laughs> grabbing smaller people than me in the theater and throwing them at the screen. <laughs> like anyone that I can lift up and pick up and throw because it's just like it's just an absolute middle finger to the audience as far as i'm concerned and i like that a lot yeah because i think that that's insane to do and i think that they kind of did it on purpose i don't know i mean it's it's just really crazy that they did they just like spend so much money and do all of that and then there's like just zero repercussions it's not like everybody saw it it's Uh not like everybody learned from it michael sheen just saw it and he goes like ah and and he's just like let's go somewhere else and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the other thing about Breaking Dawn Part 2 is it's not a fucking ending. It no. doesn't end. Nothing gets resolved because every, all the all the resolution that happens fucking just they get happen. rid of it. So it's like the Valtori are still out there. They still want Renesme. They still want Ashley Green. Yeah. Like they 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 nothing cha- nothing changes. Oh, it's insane. It, and then, but then they act like everything's done. Yes. And they're like cuz what is it um Cat sister looks at uh looks at Edward and is like, Oh, I see your future and you guys are gonna be just fine. And like he reads her mind and he's like, We're gonna be just fine. And then he like looks at Bella and he's like, We're gonna be just fine. And then that's it. And then it fucking does the credits where it goes back to like it does like it thinks it's Lord of the Rings. Like it, it does like, think goes it's through Lord of the Rings. Every single person. It starts doing both the Victorias. All the new both Victorias. <laughs> all the new people that just popped up, like the, the Romanian kids and stuff like that. And it's like treating them with this amazing bravado. It, it's the first time I saw it, I I, I remember I had heard about it. And I was like, there's no way that it's that intense. And it's like fucking seven minutes long. 
and it's what's the song like a thousand years or whatever oh, and it's, oh god it yeah. fucking it's the best <laughs> it is just like the fact that that is the ending of the series and that it ends in that way both like story-wise and what happens and the lack of an ending and then it uses that momentum to just go into the, the wildest credit sequence I've ever seen in my life. It starts like showing the texts for like the main three where it's like at some point in the book, everyone just said the full sentence of my name is Jacob Black and they just find those. I'm like, well, who talks to people like that? Like no my one. name is Edward Cullen. <laughs> no uh, one. I don't know, man. Yeah. And that future, that, that scene, the battle scene, yeah, I was actually kind of sad, and I knew it was fake um, when, like, Seth and Leah died, because I liked Seth and Leah, Jacob's pals, mm-hmm. yep. who who joined him in his little, tiny little baby wolf pack. Um, but yeah, that, that scene was wild, because I think you had told me about that scene, and honestly, Burge, it's been so long since I read the books, I could mm-hmm. not tell you if that happened in the sure. books. I'm sure it did. I'm sure I mean, it it's, did. It seems like such a massive thing to do right. it had to it had to have been right but yeah uh the non-ending is funny i also think when the vampires run fast is so ridiculous it's crazy that, uh, can't take it seriously the running and fast like, and Cap- the climbing trees yeah captain hardwick developed the technology like it will look like this this is what we will do and then the rest of the movies just had to follow that essentially yes they drop a bunch of other shit but they're just like no when they run they need to look like they need to look like Clark Kent at the beginning of the Superman movie from the 70s when he's running alongside the train. He just looks like he's on strings. Yep. Yep. Right. <laughs> but yeah, you mentioned because uh, something we haven't talked about at all yet. and We probably should touch on it briefly. Um, how crazy it was that they were all different directors for the most part. And then all the composers. It was Carter Burwell on the first and then the Insane. last two. Insane. And then Alexandra Desplat. Splat? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That T has to be silent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for the second one. And then Howard Shore for the third and one. Howard Shore just coming on in for Eclipse, yeah. I mean, that's Whoa. the other thing, too. Like, Alexander Desplat, like, for New Moon, it's just like, this is a good score. The same I, with Eclipse, I you're like, this is a good Carter score. Carter did a good job, too. Oh, they're all great. They're all, like, that's the thing that's really wild is, like, wow, they, like, really went for it with the composers. And they're just like... Because, like, Howard Shore is a guy who will give you something that you'll never forget, but he's also, like, a gun for hire for, like, Warner Brothers. Like, he'll do yeah. whatever. He's like, yeah, sure, I'll go for that. You got it. Boom. Yeah, I'm actually angry. I'm upset that Bella's lullaby gets stuck in my head all the time now. Oh. And it's very good. It has no right to be that good mm-hmm. um, from that first movie, and then it echoes, you know, throughout the rest of them. And then the person who did the music, so Stephanie Meyer famously has said she listened to Muse while she was writing the series. Like, Muse is her muse. And so a lot mm-hmm. of Muse, mm-hmm. I get it. But yeah, that first movie has a pretty good soundtrack. I love Tom York coming in oh, at the I end. Mean, we so good. have to talk about the music in these things. Yeah, so good. Because it's every time it ends, you're just like, oh, right, Paramore. Yes. <laughs> Oh, Evan Essence, of course. Oh, Linkin Park, obviously. I mean, that's, I also love, like, I love that New Moon also ends, like, 
it ends like with like the attitude of like a teen comedy where it's just like Linkin Park and like what I've done or I don't even know which one they use but it's good shit man yeah, and they lose good. they lose some of that I, I think it isn't like it I watched all the credits and stuff sure. but they they I guess like as the movies start being released later where maybe I wasn't as tuned into the radio hits of the sad boys and girls of the time, I'm kind of like, what's this fucking song? I want yeah. this. And then they're like, oh, they wrote it for the movie. I'm like, that's not cool. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. I agree with you. It's funny because like, the more vampires you see, the more the more the music loses its edge. It becomes like sappier and sappier as the films go on, for sure. But that first Twilight, Catherine Hardwick, music mm-hmm. supervisor for that, nailed it. Very good. It just adds to, like, the whole mood piece of the whole thing, which is pretty good. But yeah, that Bella's Lullaby. Don't like yeah. it and also like it a lot. <laughs> Don't like it's, that I think about it. The uh, the song at the end of Breaking Dawn is A Thousand Years by yeah. Christina Perry. Yeah. It's um, it's a good one. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah, it is crazy that Carter Burwell did three the of the movies. Yeah. Three of them. But then it's just weird that it's like, oh, he came back for the last one's cool. They're like, yeah, but who'd they get to like fill the shoes while he was gone? They were like, oh, I don't know. Just like two of like the most the best successful, ones ever. talented composers out there. Ah, oh, New Moon must have been a wild little uh, fucking movie to make, dude. Yeah. They're just like, it's this vampire werewolf thing. You maybe heard of it. Uh, the first movie did really well, made a lot of money. So we're going back, you know, and we didn't even touch on like the fact that, you know, Taylor Lautner was hired because he was like a short little boy and with like the full intentionality of like in the second one, he was going to be recast because he was going to look so aggressively different. Like oh. the whole thing is that he's supposed to grow like, like, like a foot and just like almost look like a completely different person, like puberty, like does sure. like almost kind of like a she's all that kind of situation. Um, but Taylor Lautner just like campaigned really hard to like stay there and keep doing it and just like worked out and got in like that amazing shape for like how young he was and was just Aww. like, can I please be Jacob? And they're like, yeah, sure. That's kind of cute. It is kind of cute. Like he wanted to be in it really bad. Oh, you know, and that's the same thing too, where it's like Taylor Lautner now is, um, notoriously like he just, he doesn't really act or anything anymore. He, um, his last movie, I believe, with the exception of a couple like little comedy appearances with Adam Sandler and stuff and like those movies, like The Ridiculous Six and stuff, like his last like movie movie was Abduction, you know, where like they were trying to make him like an action star. But one of the, one of the weird things about Taylor Lautner is he's not an action star. Because anytime Jacob Black does any action at all, he's a cartoon dog. He's, he's a wolf. <laughs> so it's like, you're like, oh, right. So like Taylor Lautner can like slide down things and like, he, he just rides motorcycles. That's like the most yep. action thing he does. And very briefly. <laughs> very briefly riding some motorcycles. Um, it's just really funny that like, they were like, you know, they were like, Kristen Stewart will be like our next like leading woman of tomorrow. And Robert Pattinson is just such an edgy, you know, kind of like almost like a Christian Slater kind of like dirty 
don't don't take him home to mom like kind the of guy one. and then yeah. taylor lautner they were like that's the guy that you can take home to mom he's gonna be like an awesome like summer blockbuster action star and it's just like based off of what <laughs> like what are you like i'm not trying to be mean to tay because he's cool and i like him and i would love to be friends but now he's just like he's on instagram he wears hats he wears baseball caps uh, I think he is engaged to or already married to like an Instagram influencer. He, he married her and her name is also Taylor. I fucking love it. <laughs> I love it. The Taylor Lautner dated Taylor Swift for a little while. She's got a couple songs that are apparently about him, which is one of the things surprise, I love surprise. about Taylor Swift songs. You're like, wait, which one is this about? Like I was on the Jake Gyllenhaal uh, all too well train like forever ago. I was oh, like, that's yeah. about Jake Gyllenhaal. That's about Jake Gyllenhaal. That's a good one. That's so funny that that was like a shock to people. It was yeah, like, where it, were like, you? Came back. It's like, but also to like his response to it and just being like, you know, I hope she's doing good. You know, and I'm, I, you know what I just watched with Jake Gyllenhaal in it, and he's um, he's not that great in it. Surprisingly, what? Uh, Ambulance. Oh, I haven't seen Ambulance. It's, yeah, um I haven't seen that yet. It's it's okay. Michael Bay is just it's like Michael Bay trying to make a Michael Bay movie. So it's a little intense. But yeah, that's Jake a too Gyllenhaal much. is like, he's really good at what he's doing scene to scene, but he's playing three completely different characters. Bummer. And it looks like they're just being cut together randomly where it's like, he's a sweetheart. He's a mean, nasty guy. And I don't think it's intentional. I think it's just like they were doing different takes, different stuff. And then they all just got kind of put in. And it's yeah. kind of like, it feels like when you try to build like, like a Lego set, but you're also using not just Legos, but like those weird fake Legos. They kind yep. of fit together, but the color's off a little bit and you can notice like it was. They're a little I was taller, a little shorter. That, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Not good. Weird. Fun movie, though. That's a bummer. Was that movie last year or this year? This year. This year. This year. Got it. It's long. It was a long movie. Out says it's, it's welcome. Two and a half hours long. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You get you're watching it and you're like, how is this movie two and a half hours long? Like. How long are they going to be in the ambulance? They're in the ambulance the whole fucking time. They're Dang. just in the ambulance. And I'm like, all right. Kind of doesn't make any sense. Interesting. We it, just it loses watched. the... Oh, no, 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 please. Oh, go uh, ahead. It, it's, it loses the thread of like, the hook is that it all takes place in an ambulance uh-huh. within like half an hour. And it's like, it doesn't matter anymore. It's not like speed where it's like, oh, they keep bumping into obstacles and it's like, oh, we need to figure out a way to be able to keep going and blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's rush hour. Like, all of that just goes away. And then it's just about them getting away. And they're in, like, a, a high-speed chase. But there's no, like, obstacles anymore. It's not, They're just, like, there's never a mention of, like, are we going to run out of gas? There's They just kind of <laughs> they just kind of get rid of it. But it's also, like, the movie doesn't need that because it's just Michael Bay, like, cranked up to 11. Uh, he references Michael Bay movies in it, like, three or four times. I kind of love that. pretty cool. I love that. And like at one point, one character says, "Like let's get out of the car, like bad boys," and it literally just does like that under sweeping <laughs> slow motion, like them closing the door. And I'm just like, "Oh, Michael I love Bay. that, Michael Bay. You hate bad boys. You don't let do that. You don't <laughs> let do that." He's like, "Yes, I am. I'm allowed." We just watched The Gray Man the other night, mm. and fun, fun. Okay, uh, all right. Ryan Gosling. I'll watch him. All day. He's just so charming. He's so charming and so funny. And of course, Chris Evans with that mustache. I mean, that mustache is what's... That's the biggest part for me going into all of that. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of good parts in that movie that, like, I was picking up on. I was just like, oh, this is fun. Again, like, kind of self-re- self-referential and, you know, kind of, like, doing weird things that you're like, they shouldn't be able to do this in a movie. But it was it was right. fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, what I really love Kristen Stewart in, in recent history, I'm a sucker for the Charlie's Angels movies. I oh, really yeah. loved the... Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, Lucy Liu. Talk about Charles a movie Angels. that does not exist. That, I love those movies. That is, I totally first fucking for forgot sure. that that goddamn movie came out. Not the oh, first but yes, two, yes, the Kristen no, the, the new one. one. Like I'm like, that doesn't exist. That wasn't a real thing. It's not as good as those other two like reboots that came out, you know, like 20 years ago, but still fun. And Kristen Stewart was great in it. Who were the other two in it? I couldn't tell you, Burge. Fuck, man. Like, that's like... <laughs> they're, they're, like, people whew. who I believe people, like, a decade younger than we are would definitely know. Um, that's absolutely... <laughs> I, I, I completely just... I'm looking it up right now because I need yeah, to know... You're going to say the names, and I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, I do know those people. But, yeah, it's Elizabeth Banks and Kristen Stewart. That's, that's why you go and watch that movie. Oh, yeah, because that was... Uh, that notoriously had the um, the amazing trailer that let you know that Elizabeth Banks directed it like five times. Yes. They're like, from the mind of Elizabeth Banks brings you a film directed by Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth Banks presents directed by Elizabeth. And you're like, I get it. I get it. We like her. 2019. That This movie did not come out. Yeah, I must have saw that probably... Not oh, that's right. Before. It's Naomi Scott. Okay. Who was the Pink Ranger in the Power Rangers movie. Okay. And she's fantastic. Um, Unfortunately for her, she probably lost a little bit of steam. With the and lockdown. she was also Jasmine in Aladdin oh, that yes, year. Like, that was like her Jasmine. kind of big, big year was like she was like one of the best parts of Power Rangers. Then she landed those two roles. Um, and then the other one is Ella Balinska. Okay. Who is in the new Resident Evil. Um, Doesn't look like... I'm not seeing anything that she did beforehand for all of this. But uh, yeah, that's them. That's them. Uh, She's in the new Resident Evil. I do want to watch the new Resident Evil. Yeah. Elizabeth Banks, of course. (laughs) Patrick Stewart. Sam Claflin. Uh Uh, Uh Jimon Hansu. Always good when he shows up. Always Nat cool. Faxon. Oh yeah, Nat Faxon. I like yeah. that guy. There's a lot of hot boys, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of hot boys. Whoa. It's just it's just like a lineup of hot boys here. <laughs> with names like Noah Centineo. Oh, I think I can't believe I'm gonna say the sentence. I believe he's in that uh isn't shoot, he the, the all the boys to, yes, i've ever loved to all the guy? boys i loved before or whatever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah he's that guy oh he just looks different in this picture oh he's all grown up mm. <laughs> 1996 that makes him 20 26 yeah all right all right okay we don't have to cut what you just did no no <laughs> you're, no. you're good you're in the clear may 9th 1996 he was born two days and 10 years after me. Ah. He was born almost, like, pretty much just over a year before Mary Colleen was born. There you go. I bring that up just because notoriously, 
Robert Pattinson was born on May 13th, 1986, just two days after me. Oh, yes. He could have had very, like, it's just like a switch. Yeah. Prince and the Popper kind of situation. Yep. You know, we just yep. uh, pop up and uh, could have been <laughs> could have been real different. You could have been talking to Bobby right now. And uh, I'm Batman. You were Edgelord Cullen. And I could be Edgelord Cullen. I yeah. do like that a lot. That's really good. That's it's, very good. I'm, I'm happy like st- we came up with that. It's stuff like that that just like makes me so honored to be your friend so and get oh. to talk to you about these things. Thanks. <laughs> I feel like with these movies too, it's it's nice. I will say it's nice to watch movies where you get to kind of watch them and not take them as seriously mm-hmm. because they're not like high art. I think we need all types of movies. I'm not a snob. I think these movies were definitely serviceable. They were films. We watched them, and we had a lot to talk about them. So, I mean, I think it's great to kind of, like, relax and unwind and get to watch things like this. And, yeah, I think the rest of the Robert Pattinson journey is going to be really weird. I mean, so, we've got we've got some weird ones coming up in the next episode with, you know, the weird little movies that he was making in between these, ending with Cosmopolis, which is really, yeah. like, his – that's his big like kind of statement to like this is what I'm gonna do now for the rest of my career is right. I'm gonna work with the people that I want to work with, making the types of movies that I want to be in, and we'll just go from there. And like that doesn't change up until the Batman, which arguably is kind of him being like, can I do another series where like I'm like the kind of like f- like the front line actor, like I a name above the title. Right. And I'm going to be committed to it. And it's got a huge fan base, but it's with a director that I respect and who does like a lot of stuff that he's into. So I, when when me and Dee were just in Asbury Park, uh, one night we got home and home, we got to the hotel and we just tossed on randomly um, War for the Planet of the Apes was on. And we watched like the last 45 minutes of War for the Planet of the Apes because it just like it grabs you. Like we were just going to stop in, change real quick and go out. And you're just like, I have to finish watching the rest of this movie. And then it hits and I'm just like, man, I forgot how great this is. And then it says directed by Matt Reeves. And I'm like, right. Like I never forgot that he made those movies, but I was just like, oh, that's why this thing is one of the most easily watchable things, even though it's like super dark and dour and sad and goofy. Like people forget how goofy those movies are, especially the last one. I think everybody tries to like pretend that they're super serious and sad because there's a lot of weight to them. But like there's scenes with just like, like little baby monkeys, like climbing on a line to like get over like a, 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 it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's good. No. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, I kind of like right now, you know, obviously, like in the next couple months, I I don't think anything else with Robert Pattinson is coming out after the Batman. I think you're right. So I would imagine that by the time we get to the end of this series, it'll be ending on the Batman, Um, Mm -hmm. which I think is like fun now because like, like the next episode, we're going to go over again, the couple weird little ones that he was making while doing Twilight, which are still a little indicative of earlier stuff. Right. But then after that, we're going to get into just like Crispin Glover mode (laughs) where he's just like, I will do whatever I want and I will use my powers for good. That is still so funny to me because I never made that comparison between those two actors. And now I can't unsee it. Right. That is totally correct. That is exactly 
yeah, like the type they, of actor he is. It's like people forget, like Crispin Glover is the is essentially the second lead of Back to the Future, even right. over Christopher Lloyd. Like he's in most of that movie. His he's the one with the arc. Marty McFly doesn't have an arc. Marty McFly gets back home, and it's a completely different world. But like he turned his like parents into wasps, essentially, and he's like, "Good for me," and that's mm-hmm. it. Hmm. Yeah, I got to see Crispin Glover back in I think 2012. I believe. And he showed one of his like really, really independent Hell yeah. shows, which films, which was great. And then he did like a few readings from a book that he wrote. Mm-hmm. And it was very cool. Uh, yeah, I've heard that is he cool. is. I've heard that he is a very cool and very nice person. Mm-hmm. Super weird. Super weird. Super weird. Gotta love him. Um, well, I was going. Yes, I was yeah, going to ask. What, <laughs> I don't I don't have anything else. Uh, I mean, Great. again, this is a podcast about Robert Pattinson. So now that we have ingested the Twilight movies, I am sure we will be bringing them up in future episodes, um, just especially in the next one, too, because it's it's very interesting. The types of roles that he picks as he's going through the Twilight thing, you can be like, oh, he's like, you still haven't seen Remember Me and you don't know the twist of Remember Me, of what uh-uh. Remember Me is. Oh, it's so amazing. <laughs> I do not. Well, take us out then. What do we, uh, what What are the, I didn't even look at this too much yet. I, I know that, I think Water for Elephants is in there, which I'm excited about. Yeah, we'll get to return to Reese Witherspoon a little bit in that one. Yes. Yeah. So yes, listeners, the next episode, uh, we're going to be ending on Cosmopolis. Uh, that's going to be like the main header. But the other films we're going to be discussing are The Summer House, Remember Me, Love and Distrust, Water for Elephants, Belle Ami, and then a Dior... Uh, 1,000 Lives. It's like a little Dior short video that's on YouTube. There's there's going to be a bunch of those uh, yeah. coming up. Yeah, there, there's a couple because, little Diors that he pops into. Yeah, he's a beautiful boy. And of course, he's a model. Like, he why looks good in be? clothes. He His mother was a model, was, a, was an agent for like a modeling oh, company. So it makes sense. Everything's making sense coming together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we do have like yeah. a number oh of my those God. coming up. Do you know what his character's name is in Water for Elephants? Oh, geez. It's Jacob. <gasps> he gets to play what? the other side of the coin. He's Team Jacob after all. <laughs> he is Team Jacob. Aw, that's nice. Tyler <laughs> Hawkins in Remember Me. Uh, I think I found all these, too. As far as, like, the shorts and the commercials, um, Love and Distrust is, like, uh an anthology movie mm-hmm. like kind of in the same vein of um uh like new york i love you parisia tem stuff like that right five different five or six different directors uh i have that on dvd because it's very hard to find uh, okay so i'll 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 lend you that so that you can be able to check that out great that one's oh my god is it stacked oh, with the, the cast? cast in this great I love a, those types of movies like coffee and cigarettes. Like I love this type of stuff. There's a 2010 Sam Worthington. Okay. Pre. <laughs> there's a 2010 James Franco. Uh-oh. Well, it's sad because when you go through like a filmography and you're going into the past, James Franco tends to pop up here and there. Unfortunately, up oh, 2010 James Franco. I have a sound effect for that. Perfect. How apt. 
<laughs> that was good. I should have used the uh, the horn a little bit more. Maybe next episode. Yeah. You got it now. It's in your back pocket. Well, great. All right. That's <laughs> it. That's it. Twilight. <laughs> so, listeners, thank you so much for for listening to all of this. This was a long one, but a fun one. We were both hmm. looking forward to this for a long time. And we finally got it out. And we The scheduling was tough. Busy, busy mm-hmm. people. Oh, boy. Um, but it's what the fans want. It's true. It's true. So thank you so much for, for listening. Um, obviously, if you are an exclusive content member, we appreciate it very much. You do know that StoryScreenBeacon.com is the host of many other articles, reviews, and podcasts. If you're able, if you have some free time, whichever podcasting app you listen to these podcasts on, if you could rate, review, or you know, subscribe if you haven't fully subscribed. That's great. Uh, we appreciate all the feedback we get. Our favorite thing is to interact with people. I think that Instagram is probably the home where we interact the most frequently. So if you ever want to interact with us, you can go to Instagram and search at story underscore screen underscore beacon and look us up there. But thank you so much for listening to this podcast. As always, we love chatting to you, with you, at you. And Mike Burge, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. I mean, again, like, they're not great movies, but no. they're a lot of fun to just, like, kind of toss on. And again, like you were saying, it's it's not my it's not my vibe. It's not my type of movie. I can totally see why someone would dig this shit, though. Like, mm-hmm. I watch movies like this all the time. It's just, uh, you know, if it wasn't for uh, the fact that Robert Pattinson was in it, uh, I doubt that and we did the show, I doubt that you probably ever would have ended up watching these goddamn things. Probably not. Right? I mean, you, you've had a long time to do it and you only watched one. Mm-hmm. And you had read all the books, so like you're kind of like mainly who they were going for. So I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that um, the show and myself were able to finally complete you. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm into vampire stuff. I was big into vampire stuff. Um, but Twilight seemed like a little juvenile for me. But I'm very glad I got to watch it. If anything, for Michael Sheen. Oh, God, he's having so much fun. It's either him or Billy Burke are like the MVPs in these movies. For sure. All right, guys. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye.